I'm Michael McMullen. And I'm John Mark Yates. Welcome to This Week in Church History. Welcome to This Week in Church History for the week May 10 through 16. I am here with my co-host and colleague, Michael McMullen. And uh, we have a great uh, episode talking about uh, the father of modern missions, uh, a man by the name of William Carey, who uh, this week, May 12th, 1792, he published his very famous work, An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens in which the religious state of different nations of the world, the success of former undertakings, and the practicality of further undertakings are considered. That is a great 18th century title. They used to love to tell you everything about the book on the first page. Well, there's, you know, fire knew exactly what they were getting. Yes. So in many respects, this volume has had so much to do with uh, even the way that we think about missions well into the 21st century. So we thought today we would bring on uh, a specialist uh, who could help us think through this. So we've asked Dr. Robin Hadaway, Professor of Missions and the Gary Taylor Chair of Missions and Evangelism at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary to join with us. Dr. Hadaway, uh, thank you for joining us. Sure, good to be with you here this morning. One of the things that uh, is fantastic is, uh, here it is in May uh, of 2020, you have a brand new book that came out on May 1st. Tell us a little bit about your book. So this is a single author, uh, a survey of world missions, and uh, it encompasses everything from the apostles through the present day, as far as the history of missions, theology of missions, uh, methods, everything. I've tried to put in one volume for the pastor, the layman, and also the academician. That's perfect. And so I'm sure there's a section in here on Carrie and uh, the inquiry, correct? <laughs> That's that's fantastic. So let's dive into uh, the the concept of William Carey's uh, ministry and life. Uh, who, who was William Carey, and why does he matter for us today? Well, William Carey was not someone you would expect would become the father of modern missions because he he had a rather humble uh, beginning, and uh, he was one that uh, became a pastor, but he was a bivocational pastor. Uh, he, he was a cobbler. He was someone that, um, you know, the... The high church would have seen him uh, as not that educated, not that well-bred, because he was coming from a dissenter background. And the dissenters uh, were not looked upon with very much respect by the upper classes or even the middle classes. And so uh, Carey uh, burst forth from that uh, humble beginning to to uh, to show a, a, an intellect that would, uh, as he uh, went overseas to be a missionary himself, because nobody else would go, Carey um, uh, showed that he could be a Bible translator, a uh, theological education by extension, a professor, although that term wasn't coined until later. <laughs> and, yeah, and also he he's. <clears throat> to be, uh, you know, someone who's a great preacher. 
so um, I, I think that helps all of us realize that God can call the the humblest person, uh, someone like D.L. Uh, who you wouldn't expect would become a great preacher, uh, into into that sort of calling. So that's kind of who William Carey was as far as his background. In my church history classes, one of the anecdotes I love to tell is even as Carey was a young man, that uh, he he failed his ordination the first time around at his church. Uh, they eventually the next summer relent and uh, encourage him to uh, to they, they, the church and only ordains him. But then they encourage him to go wherever Elsewhere. God and his providence <laughs> yeah. will have you go. Uh, they didn't want him there at the church. So definitely those humble beginnings, not an expected person uh, that you would think about. It, it, isn't it wonderful, Dr. Hadaway, that um, – in an age where it would have been almost impossible for Carey to receive an education, he teaches himself so many languages, really. Yes, and to the point where he can, can be a translator of the Bible. You know, it's one thing to learn a language to be able to speak with a common man. It's quite another to translate, you know, Exodus and Leviticus uh, into the uh language of uh, the people that you're going to work with. Yeah, and, and one of the other things that ha, ha, strikes me about Carey and uh, Henry Martin um, and, and other similar missionaries is how they were impacted um, in their call to become missionaries themselves by reading the accounts of previous missionaries. Yes, and... Um there were uh, many who went before him. They were um, not English speakers. They were more from speaking other languages that went overseas from other nations. Kerry uh, being being the main one from the English speaking world, which is why we call him the father of modern missions. But yeah, he read read extensively uh, of those that preceded him. Uh, even back into the Middle Ages. Yeah, I remember reading about uh, his love for uh, David Brainerd, the missionary to uh, the Indians in North America, and John Elliott, mm -hmm. uh, a similar kind of missionary to the Indians there, but uh, earlier. Um, because people really do not read as much as they used to, even especially Christians with Christian biography. You know, how do you see that impacting, you know, the, the possible future call of, of missionaries to the field? In all of my classes, I have my students read a missionary biography. And I tell them it's just for them to read about missionaries and become excited about missions. In fact, I give them a very simple book on William Carey that they can read in two hours. And I, I tell them this will be the easiest book you'll ever read, but I, I give it so that people can get an excitement about missions. And then my students often start reading missionary biographies. Yes. And so, yeah. So in my book, I have little paragraphs uh, of a bunch of missionaries that even date from the 1700s all the way up to the present day to give people a glimpse 
of how important it is to know about the lives of these missionaries. Mm-hmm. It's, it strikes me as odd, too, and, and some of this is just cultural uh, overall. We we think through Carrie, in some respects, was a superstar of his age. Uh, the Times of London would run stories on things that were happening uh with Carrie and the Sarampore trio, uh, what was the fascination culturally with these missionaries? Well, with all apologies to Dr. Mullen, you know the, the Brits like far, far away, <laughs> and they like to they like to read about places that were warmer and more hospitable than their own country. <laughs> Uh, that is fantastic. Because uh, Carrie himself read Cook's Travels and Journeys. He he talks about that, uh, about being such a, a key part of uh, of his life. Now, Dr. McMullen, you mentioned Henry Martin earlier. Uh, who was Henry Martin and why does he matter in our conversation with, with Carrie? Yeah, Henry Martin um, is a contemporary of Carrie. He's uh, an Anglican. He remains in the Anglican camp, but um, he too reads about missionaries, uh, David Brainerd in particular, and and he's convinced of, of God's hand on him to go as a missionary too. Um, he hears uh, the godly Charles Simeon at Cambridge speak about Carey and, and what's happening in India, and uh, Martin uh is ordained as an Anglican priest. He's also appointed as a chaplain for the British uh, East India Company because of the work of Wilberforce and goes out to India uh, to help Carey and uh, be on the mission field there. He's uh, an incredible Bible translator uh, like Carey. He translates the Bible into Urdu and Persian. He travels to Persia. He manages to get uh, a translation of the Bible in Persian uh, to the Shah of Persia. It, it's an incredible story, yet uh, he only lives for six years on the mission field. It's an amazing amount of work accomplished in a short amount of time. But I think this is an interesting component too, Dr. Hadaway, with um the, the aspects of Carey's work, he was, despite being uh, committed as a Baptist, uh, there was no shaking him from his, his Baptist foundations, but he was willing to work broadly with evangelicals to accomplish the great task of winning souls for the gospel. Can you speak to that a bit? Uh, so I think what happens when you go overseas and you're in a very tiny minority, you find yourself, even in the present day, uh, working across the aisle with different other evangelicals uh, because uh, you you just need that fellowship and that assistance. And so Carrie did that, and uh, even, even receiving the Judsons, uh, as they were in process of making their decision to become Baptists. And so, yes, there was a lot of this, and uh, Kerry had a broad view. Maybe some of it was because he came from an Anglican background, but uh, he was a Baptist by conviction, but uh, he, he was comfortable in evangelical circles. So why did Kerry focus so much on Bible translation? Uh, in in the initial phase of his work, 
Uh, as someone that went to a pioneer area in North Africa and working with a people group that had no Bible in their language, when you arrive, you realize that with faith uh, comes hearing, hearing by the word of God, that you've got to have that Bible in the in the language of the uh, of the people. You can't just uh, do oral translations, although that that's helpful in preaching. You need a written word. And so even if you're preaching, one of the first things you do is gather around Bible translators to do that work, which is what I did in North Africa. But you see, there were no Wycliffe Bible translators when Carey arrived or Martin arrived or uh, Hudson or um, uh, others that were going to translate that we're going to be preaching. And so they had to do their own. So I tell my missionaries, I said, shame on you. I tell my students, shame on you, because these old missionaries went out, and they had to do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking about Henry Martin while Dr. McMullen was speaking. Uh, he did pray. He translated the New Testament into Arabic, Urdu, and Farsi in those six years. Mm-hmm. Although Arabic and Urdu used the same script mm-hmm. Farsi, all three are different languages. And so if he could do it in six years, uh, I, I think uh, most of us are pretty lazy by comparison. Uh, I'd go on the record as being a slacker now. Uh, that's for sure. It would be it would be uh, remiss, I think, t- on a section dealing with Carey, not to mention Andrew Fuller. Um, and the, the kind of partnership that Carey and Fuller had and, and the impact that Fuller um, had on missions, the, the, the theological dismantling of hyper-Calvinism, which um, a- allows Carey or, or promotes Carey to go on the mission field. Um, you know, how important do you think Andrew Fuller was um, on and, and with Carey on his mission? As often happens with missionaries, Fuller was a very complex person. There was some good about him, and there was some other things that he kind of vexed and perplexed Carey along the way. And so I, I found that to be true on the mission field. Most of your problems are with other missionaries. And <laughs> Maybe that could be said about professors, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so the Fuller, uh, he, had a, he had a profound effect uh, theologically, uh, and, and also practically speaking with with William Carey. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they certainly had more in common than, than their differences, but their differences tend to drive them apart. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that um, in the inquiry itself, in, in section two, there is a, a survey that um, Carey does uh, of the history of missions beginning in the New Testament and, and going to the present day with David Brainerd especially. Um, and, and on the day, you know, that, that your book is available, um, you too have done this kind of survey of missions. I, I think it's a great tie-in between the two things. Yeah. Often people in our present-day missions think, well, research and statistics only began with this age of missions. But mm-hmm. if, you look, if you look at what Kerry did and Hudson Taylor did, they studied the statistics that they had about uh, languages and peoples and, and tribes and, and the 
relative number of Christians per population. They did the best they could, and they launched their missions based upon accurate research, which reflected Carey's uh, belief that you had to use means in order to mm, right. in order to reach people for Christ. Yeah. So, Dr. Hadaway, one of the questions that we ask uh, our guests frequently uh, is a question that, uh, as historians, we don't maybe ask too often because we often, as as historians, talk about what was, not what could have been. And yet, someone with your scope of uh, of research uh, in missions overall, what would have what would it have been like if there had been no Carrie? If if Carrie had not stood up and and overcome some of the insurmountable issues that he faced, what what would have happened if there'd been no Carrie? One of the lesser known um, innovations of Carrie was the whole idea and concept of a mission society. And so uh, Carrie, basically, uh, his denomination, uh, the particular Baptist, they, they just weren't interested for some theological reasons, as Dr. Mamala mentioned, in sending people overseas as missionaries. And so uh, his missionary uh, order or uh, his missionary group was particular Baptist, but it was a society where churches and individuals could give uh, to send missionaries. And so this societal approach has, is really um, the standard in missions, except for a few denominations like Southern Baptists who have the funds and the means to send their own missionaries. And so this launched this whole movement of mission societies, and there's probably you know 20,000 of them out there, uh, varying sizes, some of them uh, in, in countries outside uh, North America and Europe, some of them within Europe and North America. And so this is, without him, you wonder uh, if missions would have just continued within a denominational approach. Because mm-hmm. even Zinzendorf, Zinzendorf movement was within the Moravian Church. The, uh, the, um, the other missions were within the Anglican Church or the Scottish Church. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kerry launched the societal mission. So if it weren't for him, our way of doing missions would be different. And that doesn't even speak to the fact that uh, of the fact that he was the first and no one could even conceive of um, sending missionaries because many thought that the apostles had already mm-hmm. uh, concluded the Great Commission. Wow. That's that's a great point of of what we would be impoverished uh, from by yeah. that. At Midwestern, as you well know, since we serve together, we're always talking about how things uh, connect back to uh, the local church. Since we're for the church, uh, what should pastors or church leaders understand about uh, Carrie? I think that pastors and church leaders uh, will look at Carrie's vision. He was a pastor. But he had this yearning to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And although he was a good pastor, evidently, and uh, was part of a Baptist association, he yearned to present the gospel not just where he was, but also to the ends of the earth. And I think every pastor should feel that tug and that vision the same. 
Yeah, that that is a great word and a great reminder uh, for us. Uh, Dr. Hadaway, one last question for you personally. Uh, here at Midwestern uh, and at Spurgeon College specifically, we have a, a program that equips young men and young women to uh, have an incredible uh, missions encounter working with uh, unreached and unengaged people groups um, called Fusion. What What is your understanding of how empowering young adults to get onto the mission field can change the church for the future? Well, it's a wonderful program, uh, Fusion, which takes a, usually uh, men and women, young men and women out of high school and that first year of college, and it is a full year of college here at Midwestern, and then they're sent overseas uh, to assess missionaries already there in planning churches and also in evangelism. And it's something that's that's quite exciting. We also train uh, master's students in a different kind of program called 2 plus 2 or 2 plus 3, which trains them here two years and then sends them overseas for them to be involved in church planning for two years rather than the four months or three months of three and a half months of fusion. And so, uh, and we also train doctoral students who are serving with other mission groups besides Southern Baptist uh, in to better facilitate their their ministry. So we we try to tra- train all levels of um, missionaries and those that want to be missionaries uh, here at Midwestern. That's fantastic. Well, Dr. Hadaway, thanks for joining us. Um, I would encourage our listeners to find Dr. Hadaway's newly released book, A Survey of World Missions. It's available everywhere, but just as we encourage you all the time, please find it at the Sword and Trowel. And even during quarantine season, which we're still under, uh, most of us at least, you can find that at the Sword and Trowel bookstore online and order that book from Dr. Hadaway. It'll be a blessing uh, to you, to your ministry, and to your understanding of the ways that God has used missions uh, since the time of the apostles all the way to the modern era. So thanks again, Dr. Hadaway, and we'll be talking with you again soon. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.